You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone. Today is Friday, February 1st, 2019. I hope everyone will have a great month, one of the shortest months of the year, of course. Today is is Friday. A lot of people are totally looking toward this weekend. Um, you know, plans for Valentine's Day, you know, that hallmark uh, holiday where we look forward to spending tons of money on flowers and fine dining. Um, I'm one of those suckers. I totally love anything that has to do with celebrating just really nice things, things that are close to us. Today, I thought we could start about talking these elections 2020. And you know what? We should have that as a regular chit-chat at least once a week. You know, Cory Booker decided to throw his hat in the ring. And I'm going to explain to all of you how even our conservative, our centrist, our libertarian, and all mainstream media are diverting your attention to the wrong place. In addition, I'm also stalking the live feed where um, Pence is speaking right now. So let's take a listen. He's at the round table for Venezuela. This, this is live from Fox. I will have much to say at our next event, but we're really here to listen. Um, I'm grateful not only that these uh, elected officials are with us, uh, but also... Um, uh, grateful to be joined uh, by uh, Elliot Abrams, who has been appointed by uh, the Secretary of State as our special envoy uh, to Venezuela. Um, but we, we want to hear your stories and make it more possible for us to ensure that the American people hear Venezuela's story and hear what's truly happening there. Not only the promise of this moment, but uh, the oppression, the struggle that the people of Venezuela have faced and continue to face under this regime. These are people that have been exiled from Venezuela, just so you know. And they'll be testifying. And remember, years ago, communists, socialists like Bernie Sanders praised Venezuela, right? Someone's breathing really hard, whoever's recording this Fox. Um, I'm, I'm going to recognize Jose to get started, but um, I'm actually going to ask my wife to come and sit between me 
and Governor DeSantis. Um, I'm so delighted to have her here with me. Let's remember Governor DeSantis of Florida just had an executive order. Represented here, I wanted to be sure you knew that the first family and our family stand with you. Ousting Common Core. I just thought I'd throw that in while we wait for the interpreter to finish what he's saying. Thank you. Uh, Jose, perhaps you'd share your story. Buenas tardes a todos. Buenas tardes, Vicepresidente Pence. Quería agradecerle primero que nada por estar acá, por su valioso tiempo, en representación igual de la administración del presidente Trump y de todo su su administración por todo el apoyo que nos están brindando porque es es difícil muchas veces tener de la mano de las personas que realmente están viviendo esta situación no es lo mismo lo que se escucha a través de los medios que hacen un excelente trabajo igual pero este que venga la mano de, de nosotros en este caso eh, vengo en representación de mi familia eh, pero Más allá de, de José, de Francis, de, de Mayra, de Jorge, eh, Raúl, estamos representando a millones de venezolanos que están viviendo lo mismo y miles de familias que de los que no se escucha porque no tienen la voz. Of course. Lo siento. Thank you so much. Um, good afternoon to all of you, to the Vice President and everyone else. For, and thank you for being here and for giving us your time. Um, and for representing uh, the Trump and all of his people and his support for us as well. Um, it's hard for everybody to understand what's going on. It's not the same to see things through the media as to see what's happening in person. And I'm here in representation not just of my family, of Francis, of Mayra, of Jorge, of Raul, but I'm also here representing millions of Venezuelans who are living through the situation and listening to us now. En mi caso particular, eh, yo soy administración, eh, administrador de empresa, eh, contador y profesor universitario. Eh, so while he's speaking in Spanish, I thought we could just let that simmer and I can explain to you what's going on. So we have people uh, sitting at a round table in Florida, in Miami. Uh, Governor DeSantis is there, uh, Vice President Pence and um, his wife Karen Pence are there. And this gentleman uh, is one of the many people uh, that were exiled from Venezuela. And um, this is important for us to hear. University. I teach at the Andres Bello Catholic University in um, Venezuela. And there are many of us professors who are teaching both inside the classroom and outside. And we are giving people messages of democracy and freedom for Venezuela. Debido a, a todos estos mensajes que iban eh, totalmente en contra del gobierno que estaba en el momento opositor totalmente y eh, dictatorial, eh, empezamos a hacer ruido porque estábamos... He's explaining the dictatorship and how um, it's formulated and affecting them. Uh, this guy is a professor, as you heard, at a university in Venezuela. Uh, the female interpreter that you're hearing is interpreting everything he says. Um, after he's done. I, I think this is pretty interesting to quash anything the mainstream media says. 
Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I, we also bring uh, messages uh, because we have heard a lot against the opposition movements and we're making a lot of noise. We started working with the grassroots and we are promoting changes, but we have been persecuted by armed groups that are called the colectivos. They have threatened my life and um, we have, th th these are the kinds of things that we, we've had to deal with up to now. Um, como decía, eh, hay personas que, que lamentablemente no, no han podido contarlo, que están muchos de... So basically he's explaining the fact that if you call out a dictatorship, call out a regime or a government, um, that you will be persecuted. It sounds really familiar because now a lot of us are being persecuted here. People um, who can't tell you their stories. There are people who have disappeared. There are many people. There are social leaders uh, and others who have not had the luck that I have to be here in person to tell you my story. En eh, justo eh, poco antes de, de, de tomar la decisión de, de huir de Venezuela eh, por por todo este miedo que estábamos viviendo y, y, y por eh, salvaguardar la, la, la seguridad de mi familia, de mi esposa y de, y de mis dos hijos pequeños. Este, fui atacado brutalmente, lo que trajo ya como consecuencia en vista de esto, de tener que huir. Y esto lo estoy diciendo yo, pero no solamente, como les comentaba al inicio, este, le ocurre a, a José Ali Rabangui, sino a muchas otras personas que se atreven este, a, a promover eh, ideales distintos a los que se están viviendo ya en, en Venezuela en este momento. Um, yes. Um, before leaving Venezuela, we were victims of a great deal of fear. We came because we had to flee for the safety of my wife and my two small children. We suffered brutal attacks and had to flee the country. And I'm not here just for me. Um, Jose Luis Arangui uh, is also represented by us, and we're here to promote different ideals and different ideas for Venezuela. Eh, y aunado a esto, eh, la situación cada vez eh, se va empeorando. Personas como nosotros que tenemos y continuamos con familiares y amigos en Venezuela, sabemos que, que lo que está viviendo ya a nivel eh, humanitario es, es desastroso y la crisis cada vez está siendo peor. Por lo cual, este, reitero mis gracias por, por todo este esfuerzo que se está haciendo desde los Estados Unidos para poder eh, salir de esto más pronto que tarde. Um, so the situation has been getting ever worse. As I said, we had to flee here. The humanitarian crisis in Venezuela just gets worse and worse. And that's why I want to thank you again for receiving us here in the United States and for helping us to get out and to change the situation in Venezuela. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Jose, thank you and Francis for your courage. And did, did Francis have anything she wanted to share? Jose y Francis, gracias por su valor. Así que Francis, si quieres agregar algo. Sí. Muchísimas gracias. Como lo dijo mi esposo, hoy yo estoy aquí no como Francis. Estoy como la cara de muchas madres de familia que viven con temor, con temor de que su esposo ya no vuelva un día a su casa. She's crying, guys. Que su que el padre de sus hijos ya no vuelva, que sus hijos tengan una infancia como la han tenido hasta ahora, que ha sido llena de miedos y de persecuciones. Yes, thank you very much. I'm here not just as Francis, but I'm here as the face of all mothers in Venezuela. Mothers who are fearful, 
that their husbands won't come home, mothers who fear that the parents of their children will never come back, and kids who live in constant fear of violence. Además de eso, tengo que decir que hay muchas madres que aunque no estén eh, en familias con persecuciones políticas, están sufriendo mucho, están pasando hambre. Madres que se quitan la comida de la boca para que sus hijos puedan tener algo que comer. Y muchas de ellas han tenido que abandonar el país, como nosotros, pero dejando a sus hijos en, en manos de alguna otra familia para que los cuide. Y eso no puede seguir pasando. Queremos una Venezuela libre. Um, and I'm not just talking about mothers like myself who are victims of political persecution. There are mothers who are not in this kind of situation, but who nonetheless are suffering because they're hungry, and they take the food from their own mouths to feed their children. They have to abandon the country because they can't feed their kids. And this is not right. Many of them have left the country and not been able to take their children with them, so they've had to leave their children behind for other people. And this is just not right. We need a free Venezuela. We need a peaceful Venezuela again. Okay, so right now a bunch of them are testifying um, how they've lived through it. I just want you to know if um, you're unable to watch the Fox News live because you're listening in. Um, I want you to know that um, these people, uh, first of all, the young lady that was speaking was wearing a T-shirt that says, Make Venezuela Free Again. She was very emotional, and they speak of truths. But here's the thing. If you listen, our country received them because they were bona fide asylum seekers. This is why you seek asylum. You seek asylum when you are fearful for your life, when you know that the government will take you out if they want to. This is a real threat this is a problem. Let's take a listen to what this gentleman is uh, saying once Fox will allow me to do so, uh, once the interpreter is on. So that way you understand what he says. Yes. Um, good afternoon and thank you to the vice president. Uh, thank you, governor. Thank you, representatives. And thank you to the media. Thank all of you here on this committee for being here today. Um, and for giving us the opportunity to tell you our story. Um, Jose's story is the story of millions of Venezuelans. Um, we have worked for years against this regime and the one that, uh, that, that, that was its predecessor since the very beginning. 2017 was a very critical year. We were able to take our struggle out to the streets and to the media, and we are asking for, for help and for uh, be, being able to uh, change the regime at this time. Luego de que fue instalada, los grupos que quedamos en lucha, este, se nos pasó el mensaje de que iban a haber represalias como, 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 como pasó. Me tocó sacar a mi hermano, que era uno de los activistas, hacia la frontera por Colombia, no podíamos usar los aeropuertos porque teníamos, tanto el de Valencia como el de Maiquetía, porque teníamos miedo 
de estar en listas de los cuerpos de seguridad del régimen y tomamos la decisión de salir por allá. Primero sale, sale mi hermano en octubre de 2017, luego sale su esposa, salen hacia Lima y me tocó planear luego la salida de mi familia porque fueron aumentando las represiones y las amenazas hacia nosotros, ¿cierto? Then because of, of uh, threats and other uh, fear, we had to, um, we were told of that there were repressive acts aimed at us because of our activities. So we started with my brother. We had to take my brother out through the Colombian border. We couldn't use the airports because we were afraid that our names would be on lists of the repressive government. So our brother left in 2017 His wife left shortly after, and they headed to Lima. And then my family was also affected and also had to leave the country. Eh, aumentaron tantas, tantas las presiones. Mi esposa era funcionaria de un instituto venezolano de investigaciones científicas en Venezuela. Al ellos comprobar que ella estaba haciendo activismo político, igual que todos los venezolanos que deseamos libertad, ya era insostenible, decido con mi familia salir por, por, por la misma frontera, las condiciones seguían iguales, y es cuando se prepara todo lo que es una logística que parece increíble, algún viaje normal para nosotros fue exageradamente traumático, digo nosotros, todos los venezolanos, problema de transporte, de gasolina, de efectivo, algo normal, es problemático para nosotros como tal, So um, then my wife also, who, who works in a, in a scientific institution and does scientific studies, um, but she's also been a political activist. And the situation became us unsustainable for us as well. And we also had to leave via our neighboring country. But um, it's unimaginable how such a simple move can become so complicated. It was a very traumatic crossing because of everything, because of lack of transportation, because of lack of gasoline, last, lack of any uh, cash, uh, innumerable technical difficulties to get out of the country. Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there. We don't need to continue. We know that all the stories are going to go about the same. And I think this roundtable that is being aired right now on Fox is important for people to watch and to understand so they can discern the difference of what bonafide asylum is and what these caravans represent as well. But also, it allows us to showcase individuals that are not, you know, just um, because, you know, for some reason we think that everyone that is seeking asylum is just poor with lack of skills, etc. Well, we have to understand that asylum is a, is a right to any human being when they feel that they are under threat. These are people that are professors, scientists, doctors that have fled their country, their lives, you know, that have built a life, you know, and um, contributed to society. And they abandoned that. 
by fleeing through borders that were unprotected by, uh, you know, like he said, there was no gas for us to continue our trip. It was difficult for us to go through the border. You might be on a list. They might see you. They will take you out right then and there. That is what an asylum seeker is, not what we see in these caravans where they pay people to just jump along and say, don't worry, once you get to the border, you'll go to America. And at that point, those people are like, well, it's better than being here because when I go to America, I get free stuff. So I wanted to point that out. So that way we can see and understand what bona fide asylum seekers are and compare that to the caravans that are coming, which half of them don't even want to stay in America. They were just paid to go there. Another thing is that it's very important that we demonstrate just how dangerous it is in Venezuela for people that raise their head and speak and people that may not align with the dictatorship that is there. Because if it need be, how can one person say we shouldn't intervene when such atrocious humanitarian violations occur? So I think this is a great roundtable being held by our administration to not only discern what actual asylum is, but to amplify the problems in Venezuela. You know, everyone's a little bit late to this train. Anyone that's been following the show for a very long time knows that Venezuela is one of the richest countries on this planet right now. They have the most oil. They have over 300 years worth of oil reservoir. They have gold. It's not coincidence that they are under such a regime because the globalist mafia, that globalist gang have a lot at stake because when you have a country so isolated and so when you have a dictatorship, it's easier to maneuver the grounds from the outside. It's easier to sway them. It's easier to Force them to comply with your demands because money talks. And in a government like that, in a dictatorship, a dictator cares about one thing, and that's keeping themselves and their administration comfortable while the people are simply the peasants that contribute to just existing. So I think this roundtable was amazing to be held. It was important. It was important to help people discern and understand the exact things that are happening in Venezuela right now in a, in a more personable sense, because the media won't tell you the truth. We know this. We understand this because if it doesn't fit their narrative, then it's not going to be talked about because the narrative should be that it's fine because they've all been saying how fine it is. You remember when our president turned around and said, well, you know, look at Venezuela. And they were like, what's wrong with Venezuela? How racist. Really? How'd that work out for you? Or when he called them poop holes, right? How'd that work out for you, mainstream media, when you uh, talked about it as if, you know, he was being racist? It is. These people eat garbage. These people don't know if they will live or die tomorrow. People's children being bought, sold. Imagine being a mother. I mean, the woman when she spoke so emotionally and I was thinking, oh, 
she's so, she was so breathtaking too because she looked so sweet. She was in a little t-shirt, a white one that says make Venezuela free again. She was so emotional to just as a mother, what can you imagine? As a mother and you know, you will take the food out of your own mouth and give it to your child and I know I've never been in a predicament as such. I can't say. But there's other times where I would come back from you know, work or whatever. And I'd have an ice cream cone and I wasn't expecting my, uh, to, to have my children yet, or, you know, they surprised me and my little girl says, Oh, that's a nice ice cream. I will give it to her no matter how much I looked forward to it. Cause that's what moms do. You know, you're sitting in front of the TV and you're snacking on, you know, cheese or whatever and grapes and your kid comes along and they just eat all of it. Okay. You're just like, whatever. It's okay. It's my child. But imagine being forced to not eat as a mother. Instinctively, you'll be like, that's okay. I won't eat so my child can. You know, think about the fact that toilet paper is expensive and that using actual money in Venezuela is cheaper than it is to buy toilet paper. This is the state of Venezuela as a country. This is what a socialist government does. This is what happens when you have a socialist ideology implemented that turns into communism because in the end, communism is is another word for dictatorship. And our country is going down that path. The Democrats, the far left, represent that because... If we look back at the history of Venezuela, it all started by making universal health care, making universal this. Everybody gets a free education. Look at their history. They are the fruit of that type of plan that they're trying to push on us now. I'll see you guys all in a bit after this break. We'll start talking China and elections 2020. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978. 855 700 2978. That's 
If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone. Of course, I had to air some of the um, of the segment of uh, Vice President Pence's roundtable with people that have been exiled from Venezuela. And like I said, it was very important that we do so, so that way we can discern what is asylum and actually listen from the people themselves and not, you know, caravan people, but actual people themselves that have built a future. You know, when you're a doctor or professor, you've invested 25 years of education in that country. You have invested uh, a lifetime. And for these people to leave everything behind and come here with nothing, that speaks volumes. If you have nothing and you run, you know, obviously you have nothing because of your regime. I'm not minimizing it. But picture that, that you're sitting as a professor at a university and you just leave everything behind, your home that you built, your cars, uh, your degrees, because how are they going to verify their education if no one's going to accept it or they won't provide it? This is, this is real stuff. And when someone is willing to start over at the age of 50, 45, and leave everything behind, running away is a big deal. People don't just run away like that. Now, um, I thought maybe we can um, just quickly listen to President Trump yesterday talking with the Chinese because, you know, anyone that listens to my show, um, you know, which is every day, Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time, you'll remember we talked about Huawei. I I spoke about it at the beginning of the year saying China is going to be a really big deal, especially in the first quarter of the year, and we're seeing that transpire. I I just want us to listen to what he has to say on that and – just a few minutes so you can understand just how important this Huawei issue is. Thank you very much. It's a great honor to have the vice premier of China with us and also the vice minister of trade of China. We uh, have had long discussions. This has been going on for quite some time. It will be by far, if it happens, the 
biggest deal ever made, not only the biggest trade deal ever made. It will be the biggest trade deal by far, but it'll also be the biggest deal ever made. Uh, the two largest countries doing a trade deal, there won't be anything that will match that, and we'll see what happens. We've done very well. Uh, we've had a uh, very, very strong relationship, as my relationship is with President Xi. Uh, I think we'll start by reading the letter that President Xi sent to me and to us. Uh, it puts us off to a good foot. And then uh, we'll also repeat a couple of the remarks that the Vice Premier stated. And then we are going to have Mr. Lighthizer speak for a couple of seconds. And uh, we're then going to get back to business, and you can go and have fun and write your stories. So uh, thank you very much for being here. We appreciate it. And if you could start by reading the letter from President Xi, maybe you could speak louder. Message from President Xi to President Trump. Mr. President, I send you my best greetings. As a new round of high-level consultation is being held between our two countries on economic and trade issues, I ask Mr. Liu He to bring to you sincere greetings and best wishes from me. Right now, China-U.S. relations are at a critically important stage. Last month, we had a succession meeting in Argentina, in which we agreed to work together to build a bilateral relationship based on coordination, cooperation, and stability. That was followed by the good conversation we had through a phone call and the letters of congratulations we sent each other on the 40th anniversary of our diplomatic relations. Guided by the agreement we reached, our economic teams have engaged in intensive consultations and made good progress. I hope our two sides will continue to act in a spirit of mutual respect and win-win cooperation and step up consultations by meeting each other halfway in order to reach an early agreement that works for the interest of both sides. Such an agreement will send a positive signal to our two peoples and the broader international community. It will serve to ensure healthy development of China-U.S. relations and contribute to steady growth of the world economy. Mr. President, in our last phone call, you said you wanted for China to buy more agricultural products. I have made some arrangements about which I believe you might have been gripped. As I often say, I feel we have known each other for a long time ever since we first met. I cherish the good working relations and personal friendship with you. I enjoy our meetings and phone calls in which we could talk about anything. It falls to us to work together and accomplish things meaningful for the people of our two countries and the world at large. Mr. President, if there is anything, you could always approach me through various means. I hope we'll keep close contact in various ways. As the Chinese Lunar New Year draws near, my wife and I wish to send our New Year greetings to you, to Melania, and your family. May, may you enjoy a happy, and prosperous media. That's a beautiful letter. Right. So that letter was very telling. Let's deconstruct. Okay. So President Xi 
on a global platform, reinforced that he knows President Trump for a very long time. This is something that I've said before, because President Trump does business in his country. And like I've said before, in order to do any business in China, it's got to go through the government. So he knows these people. He knows where they're loyalties lie. He understands their culture. He may not agree with it. Like I've said, we can accept someone. We can deal with someone. We can have relations with someone and not agree with them uh, because that's what grownups do. You don't have to agree on everything. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to say, man, how do you do that to your people? You're giving them social scores. I'd never do that. He's like, well, you don't understand Chinese culture. And, you know, he would probably say, you're right. I don't, but I just don't agree with it. But that doesn't mean we can't be friends. So that's the first thing. It was reinforcing the fact that they've known each other for a long time. The second thing is he made it known that whatever strategy our president is using, Economic pressures on China are working because, like President Xi said in his letter, we're dealing with buying more agricultural products from you. Uh, this is something important for the president because our ag community has felt this, has felt this pain of, you know, slowing down the agricultural economy with these uh, coined trade wars. And let's just refer back to the first thing that President Trump said. He's like, yeah, and then you could go have fun writing up your stories. Because, see, no one's going to tell you what that letter was really saying. He was pleading with President Trump, let's meet halfway. This Huawei thing is going to hurt us really bad. The whole world is attacking us. Suddenly, the European Union, this is a manufactured thing. This is why Canada arrested her. We know we've been wrong. Let's fix this. Please do not annihilate our country economically. And this is what he's asking. It's kind of like if your kid breaks something, right? I'm, well, you know, I shouldn't refer to President Xi as a kid because he's he's quite a, a very astute, staunch leader. So it's your friend. They totally mess up. They take your car. They smash it into pieces and they come to you. And they're like, all right, you know, insurance is covering it. We can find a deal. Please don't, you know, tell everyone I did it because then no one's going to trust me to drive a car again. You know, can we just, you know, meet halfway where, you know, it's beneficial for both of us and you don't kill my economy. Because ZTE has already, you know, we dealt with it. He was like, all right, we'll let ZTE, you know, fly, right? They agreed on that. And now with Huawei, it's a global attack on China. And what President Xi said, we've been friends for a very long time. Let's meet halfway. This is important. This letter was key. And it was genius of President Trump having it read rather than summarize because this is a global message everyone's gonna see this everyone's gonna listen to it and everyone who has knowledge of global affairs geopolitics and industrial fights let's say will understand that the Chinese are like all right let's make a deal okay we messed up I know it and, you know, we messed with the, with the previous government and the ones before in the United States. Let us do it. Um, let's meet halfway, which means China can be providing us information that leads to 
something that has been circling back and forth all the time. We know that our servers were always accessed by foreign entities. Now, one would say it's the Russians. It's really not. It's the Chinese. The head of cybersecurity said it in August 2016, said it wasn't a Russian attack, but he was told to stand down. He testified that at the oversight committee. So what does this tell us? That we are winning and we are winning big. And this announcement with Huawei was very passive. There was no um, enforceable extradition from it. And they're still talking about it because once that hit the news, who came? Chinese delegation came. And they're like, all right, we really need to talk. You can't jump on this bandwagon. We know we messed up. Let's figure this out. We won't do funny business, even though we know they're going to try right? Because you know your friend, right? You know what they're capable of. So it's not like President Trump's naive and he's going to be like, well, he gave me his word. Yeah, he gave you his word that he's not going to be so upfront with it. But um, we're going to mitigate for that. And, uh, you know, he'll give him everything he knows. Remember, the head of the World Bank, Chinese, stepped down. He gave us that. He gave us that to a point. People need to be paying more attention to what our president lets us see and what he says as opposed to what the media is going to tell you. So this was yesterday where they discussed all these things. So with China, which is very important to have good strategic relationships, kind of like what President Xi said, we have a, we're at a critical point. The critical point is, do you help me? fix my error and my, you know, my violations and my illegalities that were done during a previous administration. And I fess up to it. And then, you know, in the back of his mind, he's like, next time I'll be stealthier. Or do you hang me out to dry and kill whatever relations we have right now? And obviously in America's interests, it is important to have good relations with China because they have the bodies, right? They've got the technology and they've got the capabilities of being a very dangerous threat. And our president said that during his campaign, Russia's no big, it's China. That's the problem. He would always go back to China. So this was a very telling meeting. This was very important, and it was very underreported, which means it was very important, right? We see what they report, and we know what they should be reporting. So this China deal is a big deal, and our president is working on it. I'm very confident in what he does and how he does it. That's for sure. Now, moving along, I wanted us to talk about elections. I've mentioned this before. I've said that I've, I've been reaching out to Yang to get him on the show. Um, I don't know. Maybe he listens to some of my stuff and he's like, oh, no, she'll ambush me. So I'll constantly repeat. I'm not looking to ambush. I'm looking to understand, even though I understand clearly. I want, um, you know, with the breaking news of it being Black History Month and, you know, Spartacus, Spartacus. <laughs> Cory Booker deciding that he's going to be throwing his hat in the race tells you more than you need to know about the election cycle of 2020. None of these people that have, you know, thrown their hats in the race to run, none of them are in it to actually run. None of them. 
See, the DNC has to work in a more stealthier way. It's kind of like how they drew Obama out of nowhere. Um, But Yang is going to come out of somewhere. He's not been hiding. He's been neglected by the DNC. They're not even talking about him. So they have all these clowns, you know, that have a crazy fan base like Cory Booker. Oh, yeah, he's the best. He's young. He's like this. He'd be great for a president. And, you know, they're using the race card, right? We have Kamala Harris, who's just like she's the one that compared ICE to the KKK. Still can't get over that. She's the one that totally believed Ford completely, making it almost, you know, predictable that your son, your husband, your brother, your father can be accused of sexual assault or rape and the person can have no proof and they'll just go to jail. So all these idiots are being put forward to run. No, they're not. They're there to just fatten up the DNC's account. We have to think and see past what they're doing. And the more I see the mainstream media tearing their candidates apart, the more I realize they're not there to tell us the news and protect us and inform us. I'm here to inform you. None of them are actual candidates. None, absolutely zero of them are candidates. The only candidate that will be standing far ahead from anyone that's portraying to be a candidate is Yang. His slogan, Yang for Humanity. His money, his idea of giving thousands of dollars, $1,000 universal income that he's already started giving people. So that way, a year later, he can demonstrate that. You're going to see him coming up in the ranks in the fall of 2019 like nobody's business. He will be the front runner by March 2020. Everything will be Yang. He will be holding rallies. He will be going everywhere. I tell you this is their plan. It is dangerous. They are pandering on those that have no ambition whatsoever. And if only the conservative media would would think Because all they're doing is rebutting to whatever is out there. Think. Your job is to inform the population. Why aren't they informing us he's a danger? I'm pretty sure if I've recognized that danger, you know President Trump has too. And the crazy thing is, is that guy is linked to China too. Linked to them directly, not just because he's Chinese, but the majority of his investors. I mean... Look at what he's trying to do. He's trying to dismantle our manufacturing, completely create it into a robotic, bring it into the robotics era, use artificial intelligence, and then assign jobs to people to code. He's promising you universal health care, which everyone seems to be like, it's a right, we must. It's so upsetting because these people are forfeiting all their rights to any choice of anything in the name of free stuff. He's giving me $1,000. Yeah. You know what? I, I was talking with Scott Adams, who's going to be joining me after my top of the hour break. We were talking this morning, and I said, you know what's crazy? Is that he's giving these people $1,000 right now, today, in this economy. And they're going to say how easier their lives were, how many more groceries they were able to buy, how they didn't have to struggle. But think about it. If she's a cashier register, the mom, uh, you know, that got this money, uh, well, that job is going to be obsolete with his plan. 
So you're going to need that $1,000 because that $1,600 you make a month ringing people's groceries up won't exist, according to Yang. It'll be going to the AI. It'll be going to the robots, okay? So I don't see how it's going to make your life easy. It may be easier now. It would be easy for me to have an extra $1,000. Totally. And for you. But not for the plan of how we're going to have this $1,000. Because the way he's going to pull this money again is by going to companies like Walmart and saying, instead of using shelf stockers, you know, you don't need 20 of them. You'll have one that operates a robot that stocks the shelves. Or you'll have automatic shelving. And if you invest $3 million to convert your store into automatic shelving, you won't have to pay XYZ tax for five years, but you'll pay the not having human body employees tax. And that human body employees tax will be paying for that $1,000 a month. So that means you, the guy who stocks the shelf at Walmart, may think, oh, wow, I'm going to get an extra $1,000. Yeah, but you won't have a job. You'll have to find another job. And most of the jobs are going to need coding. You're going to learn to code. And if you can't learn to code, then maybe you can be a janitor, unless they have a special robot that can do that too. Or maybe you can be a window cleaner and strap yourself up. Or maybe you can be the person that flips the burgers because we can't have robots doing that yet. But you know, if the food's put on a conveyor belt, someone's got to do it, right? This is the reality of what Yang is pushing. And people are so dense and so desperate for a handout because this is where we are right now, handouts, that they will jump on that wagon immediately. And also, because he's soft-spoken, soft-spoken, silver-tongue, educated, self-created entrepreneur. He invests in new things. And they will embrace him like nobody else. That is the democratic plan for 2020. And they're not letting it out of the bag yet. They're going to let it out when they can have people say, look, look at my bank account. Look what I did. And you know, it's up to everyone else out there that can see it coming to report on it and advise people just how dangerous this is. Dangerous to our future as a nation. You will have a file in an AI-run community. You will have your biometrics. You think the chip in your thumb is a big deal? Wait till you have to access anything with your iris. Wait till you have to give a blood sample at the bank to withdraw. Wait till they tell you no more cash, all digital, because we don't want to pay tellers. Because we'll get a tax break and it's more efficient. That is the ultimate control over people. And people need to start waking up. People need to start looking ahead. This is the biggest danger. And you know what? It's going to be a hard mountain to climb if the conversation doesn't start now. If the conversation doesn't start now discussing how detrimental pushing us into the next, you know, millennia of no money, crypto, you know, digital currency only, uh, no, um, you know, simple jobs, using robots. If this conversation doesn't happen now, by the time you start talking about it, it doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. See, even Martin Luther King talked about what's happening today back then. He tried, but he was one man. 
who they've completely skewed on message, you know, so many years down the line. We need to be more aware of what is going on. Their old tactics don't work, so they're coming in with new. And I know the president has reinforced how great an economy it is, bringing in jobs, doing this, doing that, because companies that won't, won't convert to robots and AI will be fined under Yang's plan. Like, these are things that are real. Your kid won't be able to have that job drive through automatic. Use your app. No more people. What? You want to stock shelf? Nope. You want a cashier? Nope. No little jobs. Those jobs will die. No manufacturing jobs. We could get robots to do that. This is how you kill the economy. This is how you control people. And this is how you push a slave community. You assign the jobs, you limit the type of jobs, and only those of the elite circles will be profiting off of it. You will be just a simple faction, a simple faction aiding the elites. You will be the bottom of the barrel worker. You know, coders, you know, five years ago were the hottest commodity. Ten years ago were super hot. Tomorrow, it's going to be the same thing as being a janitor. Nobody cares. Because that's where it's going to go. It's, it, we need to start these conversations. We need to stop these distractions. I mean, I love the memes on Kamala Harris. Love the Cory Booker memes. I mean, I can't get over it. But the bottom line is, they're a distraction. They're there to just fatten up the DNC account to come in strong for Yang. Because right now he's spending his own money and whoever's contributing to him. And most of the people contributing to him have heavy pockets. Have pockets that need to be filled with sales, right? With technology that he's going to implement as president. So the deepest pockets in our nation are going to be funding him along with a fattened DNC account. It's going to be... Robots against humans, you know, this fight. Because these are people that love technology. These are people that see things to go forward in that sense of using artificial intelligence and eradicating humans. They believe in transhumanism. This is dangerous. And 2020 will show you this. And we will see a lot of it coming right after the summer of 2019. It is going to bust open and it's going to hit us in the face really hard. After the break, we will have Scott Adams with me. Remember, you can always call in at 215-TALK-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. See you all in a bit. Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to 
Tori says for the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, for the second hour of the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter at Tori underscore says. Same goes for Gab. And you can always find things on ToriSays.com as well as Red State. I just wanted to tell you guys, um, the show from the 28th of January, or was it, no, the 29th of January, is missing from both uh, the Red State producer side and mine super creepy (laughs) but um i'll look back at whatever notes i have and messages from my fans and i'll reproduce it we'll do another day of talking about whatever we talked about on the 29th i will have a mass upload of the live shows uh right after um my show uh i also wanted to let all of you know um Remember when we talked about fake news? Remember how we talked, how they will skew messages? You know, we see it, right? And they make things up. And we talked about deep fake, right? And this is probably because we've been sitting on videos and comments. Now we're seeing Ocasio, the most progressive communist we've seen to date, literally say that whatever comments they said she made were doctored. And a lot of people are on the fence. Can uh, computers really superimpose images on things, Uh, you know, superimpose images and videos and sound? And yes, they can. I'm actually an owner of the Google Pixel 3. It is a phone that has superior AI, superior, meaning that if I take a picture in the dark, it has something called night sight and You won't be able to see anything on the camera, maybe a twinkle if there's a light in the background or a candle, but you take the picture and it literally can pull out what's in the dark. I am not kidding. This is real technology that can fill in the blanks from just little things. Imagine if a camera right now is on the market that could take a picture in the dark and make it look like it's daylight, what that means, where, we're are, where we are with technology. I mean, I love my Google Pixel phone, um, and I love the camera. It does great things. But think about it for a second. Just from that, think about it. You think it's far-fetched that they won't start using that notion? How will they verify? You know, they'll have a bunch of experts saying you can't anymore. Kind of like carbon dating. You know, people didn't like the answers on carbon dating. So they were like, well, it's not that reliable. So th- this is this is a reality that's coming to light. This uh, fake news is going to the next level where they will be rebutting everything. Uh, anything you see about Venezuela, they won't talk about. I mean, they won't even talk about dismembering babies. Right. They won't because then Donald Trump was right. Right. Remember when he was running and he said, if you listen to Hillary, 
you know, and do what she says. It's up to the time that you give birth that they will take the baby out bit by bit and dismember it. And she was appalled. No, it's not that. It is. Now we're seeing it is. The party, the Democratic Party, and the remaining holdovers of Republicans are simply that. They are a party of, you know, abortion, killing babies, infanticide. I mean, you know, if your child has Down syndrome or birth defect when it's born, um, you have the right to let it die. They're a party of high taxes, of not letting you choose your doctor because you won't be able to on Medicare for all. You'll just be in line for the next one available whenever that is. This is the reality of what that party is and the holdovers. And we see even from a tweet that was just sent out. Hold on. Who sent it? About, you know, the Border Security Council that I was talking about. They said they're not doing anything. Didn't I say that the people appointed were clowns, even the Republicans? And and that is totally what Donald Trump wanted. He wanted to put all the rhinos there. He wanted to, for them to sit there and not giving money for the border. So you're really forcing his hand. Um, Scott Adams is on with us. I am going to bring him on right now. Uh, remember, you can hear Scott Adams. He has three hours worth of morning goodies for you. The Scott Adams Show with Red State and other syndicated radio shows. Uh, you can find all his shows on scottadamsshow.com. And I love to talk about everything with Scott. Scott, welcome to the Tory Sess Show. Hey, Tori. Hey. Thanks so- for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming along, you know, because I wanted, you know, every Friday I always tell my listeners what to expect next week. So I thought it would be kind of a fun twist if we both kind of pulled out our own crystal balls and, you know, discuss what we're expecting for next week, you know, State of the Union. Um, Trump just told us that after immediately he's not going to do it before the uh, State of the Union because he doesn't want to give. And Nancy Pelosi, any any reason to cancel again, right? Which you know you can't put anything past crazy Nancy. So he just said uh, in the White House he was given a presser, and he basically just said that immediately after the State of the Union, you're going to see what I'm going to do. Immediately, oh and then there's gosh. a lot of other what do you things. think? I think that would be wrong. Like, why did he say that? Because you know what I was thinking? I had like a thought, Scott, this morning, right? Um, I was working, obviously, had nothing to do with um, political aspects. And it dawned to me while I was going through patient data, true story, and I don't know why, that oh my gosh, he's gonna give the state of the union, and if Ruth doesn't show up, they'll have her pass away that day to overshadow it. That was a thought that I had. If if not, then pull the plug on her before because maybe that's what he's waiting for them to do. I mean, you saying that he said that could be like, I dare you to pull the plug on the State of the Union uh, because they, the State of the Union won't go forward if, she's, if she passes away. They're going to demand, you know, a pony show for her death and, you know, five days of mourning and give her, you know, a burial of a king, which we haven't seen before for any other SCOTUS, right? Um, so what do you think? I mean, wow, that statement is like pushing their buttons, don't you think? Yeah, but then there's that. There's uh, Jerry Nadler, who is more than likely going to be um, 
pushing for the Mueller report to come come out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that are going to be uh, happening next week. It's going to be a big week next week. But, you know, Mueller is getting a lot of pressure from all angles. You know, the Democrats want to use his report to impeach the president. The report from all reports I have, it's going to be this huge nothing burger. Uh, once again, you know, we have already seen that the Trump Tower meeting and what Adam Schiff was perpetuating, which was all these um, calls to Donald Trump prior to the meeting, never happened. So all of these things that they've been lying to the American people about on the left have come to fruition as not being true. And Jerry Nadler is going to be up for another disappointment uh, because all they want to do on the left is impeach, 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 whether it's Kavanaugh or Trump. But it'll be interesting because what Trump is going to do is immediately after uh, you're going to see this USC 10 being executed. And he might not even have to call a national emergency to do it. Well, uh, tell everyone what the USC 10 is. USC 10 is this statute that says you could use the military to build fencing. And what's interesting about the fencing part is that they don't define what a fence is. A fence could be a wall. It could be steel barriers. It could be anything you want it to be. They don't define the word fence. So even though it says fencing, uh, it could be anything you want it to be. And there's so much money laying around for Trump to play with. He's going to get what he wants. So do you think that we're going to get any like, okay, so what you said that Trump said that he's going to see, watch what I do after the State of the Union. Personally, for me, just running it through my head really quickly, putting it through some, you know, analysis, that looks like he's pushing their buttons to stymie it. Well, you might want to say say to them, look, you know, we really want you. You would be better served passing a bill that gives me the wall funding. Because ultimately, if he gets it through Congress, then it's not going to be litigated. Um, And right now, you know, they shop around for these circuit courts, which makes this other story kind of important, too. The story where Dianne Feinstein and Kamala Harris are up in arms about these circuit court of appeals um, appointments and reappointments. And the Ninth Circuit is not going to be as far left as it used to be. To which case, it's not going to be as pleasant of a ride for the liberal uh, attorneys to go and, you know, court shop. Well, there's a young guy that he appointed that I talked about yesterday that is a judge that you that is the epitome of what justice in the United States is, which is to focus on the statute, focus on the matters at hand and not bring emotions or political bias into it. Um, So they're really upset. They're talking about you know, how he's going to do this to them, because we know he uses the Ninth Circus Court for everything, you know, Hawaii, California, blocking this, blocking that. And, you know, he's already appointed 50 other district judges while they're distracted with other things. And, you know, um, someone that's listening to the show, when I was talking about, um, you know, elections, right, and I was saying that none of these candidates stand, uh, they said something that was pretty good. They were like, look at the left hand, look, 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 while they punch you with the right. And that is exactly what they're doing and i'm so um so disheartened to see that people that actually have platforms don't start the real conversations of what's going on but having said that seriously though you know just take a take a whim out there no one's going to hold this against you 
what do you expect? Like with his statement, you know, hey, watch what I'm going to do out of the State of the Union. Because I kind of said I think it would be cool if he ended the State of the Union with saying, on that note, it's a national emergency, which would have been cool. Um, What do you think they might do to actually stymie the State of the Union knowing that he – put out a bona fide statement that you watch me and all these tweets going around. Can you blame him because this border security Senate, uh, you know, committee that the, that he made isn't coming up with anything. Can you blame him? They're forcing his hand, you know, of him not waiting till the 15th. Like, what do you think they might do over the weekend? Because, you know, Friday after 2 PM Eastern time, we get all these drops, right? It's always Friday drops. And for, um, a while now, we haven't seen any, you know, questionable drops. We've seen okay, so presidential the last drops. Drop was the thirteenth, was it? It's been it's been a while, right? Mm-hmm. Last Q drop has been a while, mm-hmm. but that yeah. And usually when the Q come Q comes out, comes out with comes out swinging, and uh, some big things happen. But in, in this case. I'm not sure what the status is of Ruth Bader Ginsburg is. I've I've heard two different things. I've heard that she's she was recently at a gym. Uh, I also hear that she's on ice, and they're just waiting for a day like Tuesday to break it out. Wait, so, wait! You also heard from me that she's been dead since October, right? Right. Okay. Right. That's what I've heard from you. Yes. Now, if she shows up uh, on Tuesday, that's going to look kind of funny, right? <laughs> but. Um, She's been, you know, I don't know. Jack we do really not- good with makeup. Wait, we do really good with makeup. Find a little old lady, dress her up the way you want. She and just have her nod off in the chair. Totally Ruth. <laughs> yeah, what? And if she not, looks a little bit different, people that. will be. Yeah, no. Do you think not that that won't happen? They would do that. They're going to do anything that they can to stop this president from changing the court from a 5-4 conservative leading court to a 6-3 conservative lead. We've never seen a court that conservative. And, you know, of course, uh, if President Trump wins re-election, which I don't see how he could possibly lose to a, ba- you know, a, a group of bandits like Cory Booker and all these people that are actually just trying to, as you and I were talking about, raising funds for the DNC uh, in in light of the fact that the real players are, have yet to really be fully announced. Um, but it is interesting to see what's going on there with this party. It's completely rudderless right now. And uh, so Trump, if Trump wins, he's going to take Breyer. He's going to take RG, you know, RB, RBG, you know, but we'll see what happens if she shows up on Tuesday. That'll be interesting. Well, I don't know. But a lot but next I don't week from what I've been reading and from what I've been seeing with regard to the Mueller witch hunt. That thing is pretty cool. Lindsey Graham's request to see Christopher Ray up on ju- in the Judiciary Committee is kind of interesting. And what's He's happening in Iran right with, now, right? What's that? Yeah. yeah. And what's happening with um, the Senate Intel Committee? Uh, they're mm-hmm. They're making new ground. I mean, they're finding new bits of information. All this stuff is starting to leak out, which is kind of interesting. You know, Jeff Carlson's done, done, doing great work um, over at the Epic Times. Uh, but these these drips and drabs are coming out in a way that I've not seen them in a long, long time, which tells me sort of like that, you know, chatter. It tells me that things are starting to leak out for a reason. Leaks are generally intentional. 
they're they're designed for specific purposes. So the leaks that we're seeing, you know, like Bill Priestap's testimony leaked out. Bill Priestap's testimony directly implicates Comey in a lie. Now, why are we not busting down his door? Why are we not busting down Clapper's Maybe door? Maybe we already have him because he's one of those people that the OIG recommended for indictment. Right. Maybe he's actually down in Getmo. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things going on. You know, the DOD did put out recently a statement that said, you know, they want to start inviting press corps down to Getmo to witness the military tribunals that are going on right now. The military tribunals are happening, but they're not really tied in with the deep state witch hunt that, we, you know, the Russian collusion witch hunt that we were talking about or, or the Clinton Foundation just yet. But I think it's a warm up. Uh, they they didn't waste their money for no reason. I mean, they basically spent a lot of money building up the court systems down in Gitmo for a reason. Well, did you hear about the Gitmo, the war judge that was um, taken away from Gitmo because he got sick? Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, so the judge that they had down there got really, really sick, and he was brought back to the United States while trials for 9-11 were happening. That actually went totally under the radar. I'm in the middle of writing a story. I have like three stories in draft right now. One, talking about Blumenthal and this new um, indictment against a company that he owned. So maybe this is why the magistrate allowed for unsealing of his documents. Um, Two, about the war judge that suddenly got sick at Gitmo this week and was sent home to the United States. And three... Uh, talking about Ruth, I'm still working on that because, you know, I'm going to say it. I think that they're either going to pull the plug this weekend or pull it on the day. So it overshadows the state of the union. Right. I think yeah. That and, would uh, be- I have heard, I have heard some things, uh, designed about that. You know, there's some designs there that basically they want to, uh, expect some big things to happen on the 5th and the 6th. And it was directly related in this particular report that I was reading to what Jerry Nadler is thinking about doing. And I'm not sure exactly what that meant, but, you know, and if you search for RBG online, uh, you don't really see a lot. You see two competing views, you know, the Jack Posobiec yeah, um, okay. view. Yeah. And then the and then the other view, which is that she's on ice. So it's it's hard to say which one it is. Well, you know, and then think about it. How is she writing opinions if she's sick? Like this is a Supreme Court. It's not like you're writing a book or an article and you can blow your nose and not think properly and take medication and write something up and have someone take a look. Someone's formulating these opinions that she's doing from her bedside. Who? You know, this is, you know, this is the Supreme Court. This, this creates the law of the land. Why are we allowing someone that's sick and medicated to write opinions? This is a big deal. You know, you can't just have that happen. But um, I, I, I predict that next week at the State of the Union, um, he's going to talk about the jobs. I mean, today, it's the highest that it's been in what, like 40, 40 years, the Dow for January? Today was announced, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and- it's great. The numbers are great. Art Laffer said that in his 78 years, he's never seen an administration with such success as Trump. And he's the guy that actually wrote the economic plan for Ronald Reagan. He worked with Ronald Reagan on that. And he said he's never seen more success out of a president's first term 
than he sees with Donald Trump. He's ecstatic over Trump. But Trump he, is the most amazing president we've ever had in our in the history of America. And he's only had two years and he's been under attack by the mainstream media, but he's totally neutralized them. They have made such fools out of themselves that nobody believes them at all. So Trump could pretty much do anything. And are you going to believe the press? No matter what they say, I, I no longer give them any credibility whatsoever. Well, you know, even CNBC had a report that the U.S. created 304,000 jobs in January versus the 170,000 expected. And this circles back to my Yang comment. Yang wants to destroy these jobs that are being created in, in, in lieu of giving people $1,000 a month. So you get a thousand, but he takes away your job. So, you know, maybe we can tack on the Democrats, not only the party of raising taxes, but removing jobs, right? Because this is their ultimate goal. The less the jobs are, the more you keep people subdued. Um, So, uh, you know, the jobs report came out. The Dow is 30 years, not 40, misspoke. Uh, Highest over 30 years, strongest economy. He keeps reinforcing it, you know, and then now, you know, we're trying, we're seeing that this um, Mueller investigation, obviously, you know, has been all about Russia collusion, right? But all we've seen so far is process crimes. We're lying to Congress. He's come up with nothing about Russia collusion. They're desperate. And I'm thinking, can we get our money back? Like we've spent what, $30 million, 40? Where's that money going? Like, why did we spend that money? Who can we hold accountable to get that money back? Maybe we should hold accountable the people that wanted Mueller placed there in the first place and confiscate all their multi-million dollar accounts and say the people want their money back. You know, that's, for me, that's a problem. You know, how much money we've spent on nothing. Yeah, well, like I've been saying, you know, Mueller was the, insurance policy. He was the insurance plan. He was basically the access to the cookie jar after all the Obama minions had to leave, right? And so he was the only, he was their great last hope because once Trump, you know, had the kahunas to fire Comey, which everybody thought he wasn't going to do it. They thought he couldn't do it. And he did it. And as soon as they did that, they quickly Within days, within a couple of days, you know, it was like nothing, like completely like a snap of the finger and boom, there's Mueller taking over where Comey left off, basically deleting all the evidence they could possibly get their crummy hands on. But what the Congress did so well is got one testimony after another and they got it behind closed doors. And now they're on to something that I've been talking about for over a year, and that's Gia Colone's investigation. So I said, beware, you know, Comey fired Gia Colone, pulled him off of the Hillary Clinton investigation because it started running into Uma Abedin and Anthony Weiner. And that was not, you know, that was basically they said, we need some, we need a fixer in there. And they got Peter Strzok in there. So that's why Peter Strzok was then appointed. Bill Priestap knows all about this stuff. And Bill Priestap just uh, in his testimony threw Comey under the bus, but they kept it under seal because it made Comey a liar on the witness stand. Basically, Comey lied under oath if you believe Bill Priestap. And Bill Priestap's married to a billionaire. Honestly, this his wife is super rich, and he's not going to jail and living in a six by six cell. He's just not going to do it. So, and he's the slickest of them all. Comey's not slick. McCabe is not slick. Strzok is not slick. But Priestap is slick. 
and Priestap's going to save his butt. And he flipped. He testified. And what's actually happening is now Comey is going to have to get his door busted in by his own FBI if they want to uh, have Lady Justice wear a blindfold. Because what's good enough for Roger Stone, it's good enough for Comey and Clapper. And they ought to get what's coming to them. Well, you you think that um, we'll be able to satisfy that feeling that, um, you know, uh, we'll get a perp walk? Yeah, there's no doubt because um, of what Comey did. And John Brennan, too. John Brennan, he has his fingerprints all over this thing, all over every department. We still, you know, we still haven't explained what happened to Joseph Mifsa. We know he's dead. We haven't explained what happened to him. Why did he die? He was an FBI asset. He was working with British Intel. You know, so... At some point, you know, we're going to have to throw our hands up and say the hell with the five eyes, the hell with the British intel that's been, you know, abusing that privilege of a foreign intel agency being able to spy on Americans without all the red tape that we would would be required for our own intel to spy on an American citizen. And, uh, you know, and Alexander Downer and his assistants and Joseph Mifsud and George Papadopoulos and all these different things that are connected. Well, you know, you, you know well, you have to explain, but but you know who's been investigating Spygate is John Huber and Michael Horowitz. They have been investigating that, along with the Clinton Foundation, along with Uranium One, along with all of the Russian oligarchs and the tie-in with Mueller. And so, as soon as Mueller shuts this thing down, and we just heard Matthew Whitaker talk about it, right? Uh, as soon as he shuts it down, you're going to see uh, a lot more come out. And it's going to be perfect timing, too, because it's going to go right into the election season. Well, you know, one thing that um, we don't remember very well is that um, at the time, and I had reported um, who signed these FISA warrants, right? And it seems that everybody keeps forgetting about Dana Bonte. Is that how we, Boente? How do we pronounce his name? He retired. Uh, He was FBI counsel, and he was the acting attorney general at a time. And after that, he went back to the FBI counsel and resigned. I'm dropping this, that this is the retired FBI member that's going, that is part of this, uh, because I've been following these things. I actually have the documents. See, if people take all the documents we have for the past three years in regards to um, the way the FBI was collecting information, and it spiked on... um, keeping upstream data uh, between 2015 and, of course, 2017. We'll see, because I've reported this, who the people were that actually put in affidavits. And those are the people that are being held accountable. Though, new research and some documents that I came across last night, and I only skimmed through, kind of make me think like maybe Rod's on the hot seat too. And I'm thinking that's a huge deal considering he's second, right, uh, at the Department of Justice, right? It's kind of – Dana Buente replaced James Baker 
as the FBI's yes. general counsel. Yes, and then he that resigned. For pre-staff to discuss his London trips further, approval from the special counsel would be required because of an active criminal investigation. They always hide behind that, don't they? Yeah, they do. I know. They hide behind things like Marcy's Law, too, when they're doing dirty things, too. You know that, right? Uh, but yeah. th- th- I think that he is the retired FBI person. He is. You know, I think he's the FBI counsel that's retired because he did after his, you know, stint as acting attorney general, reinforcing and resigning and pushing uh, for this FISA uh, warrant to be renewed. And my money's on him for that. Now, active that are currently working in the FBI, it's a big deal. So what did they put him on administrative leave? And I've said this before that Donald Trump, his administration works incredibly stealthy, right? They're stealthy because kind of like that um, Russian national spy we had at the U.S. Embassy in Russia, they knew she was a spy and they kept her on, you know, for eight months after knowing she was a spy to see who she worked with. And there's links with Nellie Orr. And this is why when she was fired, so was the ambassador to the U.S., in Moscow, who was super salty and wrote a piece in the Moscow Times, you know, denouncing President Trump in some way. So, I mean, they will keep them on. And this makes total sense of having someone super corrupt, super, 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 super deep state working for you because you can observe them. And it's all about finding their methods as opposed to making them as the people who have enacted. So, just 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 to like go a little bit off on that, I totally love my last half hour of my shows on Friday for my listeners to kind of talk about what's going on, um, what we predict. I also predict that there's going to be some developments in Australia next week. So I had a listener from Australia email me a question in regards to Turnbull, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't respond because I needed to do my homework. And it seems like something huge is coming out of Australia through this um, Five Eyes investigation. So this is the chatter I'm getting because the European Union is being closed on. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty big deal. So I'm expecting something big to come out of Australia next week at some point, probably later in the week, like maybe Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, what do you think? What would you expect for next week? Aside of the State of the Union and Ruth being the center of attention and obviously a national emergency to be declared, uh, what do you think? I'm actually looking up a piece that I had uh, in my Twitter. So um, continue just for one moment, and I'm going to pull up something. No problem. So um, one thing that I wanted to say is, you know, we made the biggest bust of fentanyl yesterday, right, Uh, in history, which is a a big, huge deal. Actually, on the Tory Says page, I'm going to create like a menu piece where it just talks about the arrests at the border. Um, you know, this was a big deal. This is a problem for our country because think you only need to lace marijuana, lace heroin, lace regular medications. If you want to kill someone with just a little bit to think two milligrams can kill you. That's a lot of fentanyl coming in and it was coming in through our border. 
This is a big deal. That is an emergency for our country. And like I've said before, none of them are going to come through the port of entry. You know, the 11 miles west of the um, Calexico um, port, Calexo port, they apprehended a guy who in 2007 was found guilty in Georgia for luring minors and other stuff. And then he was found guilty of assaulting a minor sexually, right? He did five years in prison and they deported him. And there he is coming back to our country. This is why we need a border. He went through the part that's not a port of entry. See, Nancy keeps thinking that if we make the roads prettier or line them with gold and put sensors, that it's going to work. And how is a border going to work? Because of technology? No. We code the technology. There's going to be someone there that can chaff it, that can go through it, that can monitor or, you know, hide themselves and obfuscate, you know, their presence. Um, Walking under... uh, So there's... Okay, I have to be careful because some of this stuff is sensitive. So let's go back to last week during, no, earlier this week, or was it last week, where in Tennessee, it was detected on a radar that some chaff had been released. People were asking the radio, the TV station, hey, is that birds? And the National Weather Service said, no, it looks like chaff. Chaff is a method that you can obfuscate um, detection methods. So from satellites, from drones, it's kind of like you sprinkle a bunch of like metal objects or specific um, types that reflect and, and make it dizzy. So if we have only drones and sensors, do you think there isn't a possibility of being able to go undetected. I mean, we've got seals that go undetected. You know what I'm trying to say? So the technology exists. So a smart wall is not a good one. Like we see many senators, like Senator Hoven, pushing for uh, to put drones and sensors. How about, how about Nancy Pelosi, who basically wants a Normandy wall barrier, which is like a, a barrier that you could jump, hop over. Yeah, bunny right? Of course, <laughs> because she needs to make money, right? Human child trafficking. You know, there was a story. Dollars in a wall that doesn't work is my point. It's crazy, right? It's, it's absolutely the, ridiculous. The, the, and and it takes great pictures of people crossing our border. But what then if you don't have laws like, you know, if you have laws like catch and release or chain migration, they're just going to exploit it. You know, so it's like okay, they're here, and now they're going to exploit our laws, and they're going to stay here. It's how we got to 30 million people that are here illegally. And we're starting to find out more and more about the voter fraud that's associated with it. Yeah, I've been talking about it for like forever. Uh, In 2016, in June, I was all over Twitter. Obviously, that account's been banned. um, Where I was posting pictures of how my husband, who's a legal resident alien, was registered in five different states as a Democrat to vote. Um, and then I filed documentation with all those states and with the State Department saying he's never voted. This is his affidavit. Here's where he's registered. This is ridiculous. You know, I kicked up a real big stink about that because, you know, that means automatic deportation. And that would suck 
Well, but having said that, you know, we talk about child trafficking, drug trafficking, um, and um, human trafficking. And I've also said that, you know, it's not just a sex slavery, right? And it's not like they're all just bringing the children from Mexico into our country, but they're literally picking them and selecting them, specific kids, either that be through CPS, foster systems, and other organized child networking that are federal, you know, organizations that are federally and state funded where kids just disappear. And they take them over the border through Mexico. And um, an article was DM'd to me by one of the listeners. Uh, It was just published a few hours ago um, by Fox News. And it's titled, Mystery as Widow Questions Why Husband's Body Returned from Mexico with no brain, stomach, or heart. Now, what she was told, she's in South Korea, that her 35-year-old husband was in Mexico. And um, the only thing we know is that his last name is Kim. And, you know, she was told that, you know, he was involved in a bar fight at a karaoke bar or something like that, and then was taken to the hospital, pronounced dead. But the inc- but um, an- the incident was supposedly caught on CCTV. But when they flew back the body to South Korea, he was missing his organs, his brain, stomach, and heart. And, um, you know, she's more of the fact that they're covering up Um, the Mexican authorities are covering this up. And in that article, there's a link to another article talking about 10 children in Tanzania kidnapped and killed for their body parts. Now, those are said to be like for like witchcraft type things and whatever, but organ trafficking is a huge business. I mean, how did George Soros get so many heart transplants? right? You got to be on the list and you got to have the need. Why would he be more ahead of the queue than a 15 year old kid waiting for a heart? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Obviously he's not getting the heart from being on a list. He's had multiple heart transplants. This is reality. You know, if, if Hillary's liver failed, you know, do you think she went on a list to get a liver or was she put to the top or did someone shop around for one? I'm just saying this is like real stuff. People don't want to talk about it because it's nefarious, sounds really out there. But, you know, movies are made with the premise of uh, some reality. And all I have to say is rewind your clocks, Google, well, not Google, DuckDuckGo, how in 2015, thousands of bodies of children washed up on the shores of Greece with empty cavities. All their organs were gone, except for like some intestines. So eyes were missing, heart, they were like cut, sewed up back together and then thrown in the water. And all these bodies, you know, washed up to shore. And the mainstream media in Europe was perpetuating that they were so desperate to run away, right? But then the Greek authorities were like, well, hold on a second. If they were so desperate to run away, where'd their organs go? And, you know, that was quashed really quick and silent. And speaking of Greece, you know how... um, the crown prince was on hot mic with Macron talking about, Hey, you should have had this opportunity. You remember that? And then they deleted it. Right. So the Greek prime minister was caught on hot mic and people are freaking out in Greece where he was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to subdue them. Like literally this is what he said. Um, I'll probably tweet out the video if I can find it with subtitles. Um, well, he was speaking in English. So I'll just tweet it out where he's like, yeah, you know, it's the, the far left, um, you know, that wants, you know, this and you know, so the left there is the problem, right? 
He's talking about the, uh, the far left or the far right. He keeps using those inter commingling those words. And he's like, but they'll listen. And Macron was concerned. He's like, well, how many turned up for the protest? He's like 70,000. He goes 17. That's okay. He's like, no, seven zero. He's like, that's concerning. We need to subdue them. He's like, yeah, you know, the other people that have a brain understand what our mission is and we'll take care of it. Like this is a prime minister talking about his people. His people that have been suppressed with, you know, 85% tax rate. His people that have special taxes on their houses. People that have had property in their name for eons, you know, because it's passed down through families, are suffering greatly because Germany's just confiscating things. And this is how a prime minister speaks. This, you know, and you saw France yesterday. They were literally on fire. It's crazy. It's super crazy what's going on in this world. Everyone's losing their mind. People are starting to revolt, and it's not looking very good in the eastern part of Europe with Turkey and Iran, especially when we pulled out of the nuclear deal today, right? Did you see that? Yeah, that's great. Well, because we have the, we have the financial to win that race. What do you mean? Well, with respect to, well, a couple of things. You know, we were basically putting the governor on. Uh, to, uh, to, to, you know, we were regulated as to what we could and couldn't do. And, and that uh, treaty was signed by Reagan a long time ago. Uh, and now we have other threats in the world. And so that treaty basically, uh, I think, stymied us and really kind of had us in a fight where they were cheating and we were playing by the book and we weren't really using our economic strength in order to advance our national security. Now we want to spend more on our military because it's been so weakened by Obama that uh, we're getting out of that treaty. And right now Russia is cash poor, especially with the price of oil. Uh, they don't have uh, the cash on hand that we have. And so if we get into an arms race, they're going to want to renegotiate a better deal, another treaty. And uh, that'll be more favorable for us so that we could protect ourselves from the other threats in the world, particularly with China and uh you know, maybe some things are going on in our southern hemisphere uh, and also uh, with respect to the Middle East and the, the ever-changing Middle East. So it's good that we have um, more flexibility and freedom. It's sort of like pulling out of the, you know, it's like a Brexit for military treaties. You know, it gives us a lot more freedom. And and because of our financial strength, we're the number one economy in the world. I think we will fare very well in terms of getting a new treaty that actually has more favorability toward us. When that treaty was signed, Russia was a different kind of a threat to the United States than they are today. So, um, so what do you think will come of it? Because, you know, the mainstream media meddled by uh, misinforming what the intelligence community had said and Trump pretty much coming out at them and barking at them well, and is, saying, how dare you? Did you see what they did? Treaty, right? And so right now we have different types of threats. We have space space force threats. They have uh, weapons that can take out our satellites. We need to adapt to that. Uh, the electromagnetic magnetic pulse is actually more of a viable threat today. We need to build our infrastructure and all these other things too, uh, and redundancy on the grid. But in addition, there's laser technology that has come to the forefront. So many things have changed since we've signed that treaty. 
that it's uh, probably a good thing that we're pulling out of that because I think it hamstrung us. Well, speaking of Space Force, can we just put our little sci-fi hat on and just, you know, I noticed a trend. You know, I like numbers and I like trends. I noticed a trend that the mainstream media keeps dropping stories like, hey, we just received um, a radio wave from outer space that kind of seems like it would be from intelligence. Do you see those subtle drops or cigar-shaped objects identified far, far away or scientists discover? I mean, it's been very subtle, but over the past four months, you know, they're stepping into that ET notion. Have you noticed that? Uh, A little bit, yeah. I can't say that I've noticed it too much. Well, it's very um, but, subtle, uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Because they're dropping that, you know, they're the ones that that would always come down and never say something like this. And suddenly it's almost as if it's like every four to five weeks that they put out something. The most recent one was, I think, like maybe a week or two ago where they were like, hey, we got this signal from somewhere in space that seems to, you know, come. It's a radio wave. Uh, from somewhere that's an intelligence source. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, why is all of the mainstream media globally talking about it? I didn't hear it on Fox, but I heard it on all other mainstream media. And they're kind of dropping it and giving more, you know, like if you see the comments on Facebook where CNN puts it or whatever, it's all these people saying, oh my gosh, yeah, we've been talking about that. There's life on other planets. And, you know, this is what they're inferring. And I'm thinking, you know, this space force, I'm just saying, you know, we have to have an open mind, right? Not saying that it's true, not saying that it's false. But aside from technology to take out satellites that we've had for years, by the way, we know this from the Reagan era when he started that Star Wars project, right? Could Space mm-hmm. Force be something else that we're just, you know, we just don't know about? I mean, that's a question. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, what do you think? I, I don't really have much in that area, but uh, Me it could neither. be. I'm just saying, well. yeah, speculating here, right? Do you think that that's something um, that's of interest? I mean, that that's a possibility? Yes. I mean, I... There's, I think that there's life outside of our, our, our world, our universe. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. know, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, it would be I'm a more, waste I'm of more space. Concerned about, I'm more concerned about the satellites in the uh, first phase of space that where our satellites that we depend on for so many things. Talk about, you know, the damage that electric magnetic pulse can do to our power grid. Just think about what taking out our satellites could do. You know that would that would make most of our missiles obsolete. So you know, there's just so much that we need. Yeah, but to that's be aware been around of. for a while, though, Scott. That's what I'm saying. Sure. I mean, we saw EU Sat two come under attack from North Korea. That was years ago during the Obama administration, mm-hmm. and that was a flex of muscle. Uh, we've seen Ursat um, over yeah. Europe that controls like Sky News and everything have to be replaced because they're saying that they were uh, cyber attacked by um, what was it by. Um, my gosh, I forgot what country they blamed it on. But we have that that capability. And we obviously, as the United States, we started the Star Wars project from Reagan. So we're way ahead of that, way ahead of that. So that's, that's just what's making it curious for me because we know that we have technology to, um, you know, s- be able to handle satellite taking out. Now, EMPs, I don't think anyone can handle that. I don't think that there's actually a method that we can – 
stop it. I mean, I've, I've bought into buying some, you know, uh, it was like two years ago. There's like this pouch thing, a pouch slash box thing where you can put technology in there to be able to save itself from an EMP pulse. And I I legit, I'm telling you, I've actually put just one USB key in there and I update it every now and then and swap it with an identical one in the meantime, uh, to just update information like from Britannica, you know, history, you know, current news, you know, and just put a few files in there. Um, and not because, you know, I'm paranoid or anything, but you never know because that is a threat. And I think that threat goes globally, not just from us. And, um, you know, if the EMP is here, can it go to the satellites, you know, directly? Because, you know, we have missile systems outside, right? In our orbits too, right? Yeah. So, we do. Yeah. So, We've got technology where we've got missiles in our orbit to attack other countries. So if they take us out ground, we can use satellite, et cetera, et cetera, which is kind of really weird to think that we're at that point where we would annihilate each other just with the click of a button. But I'm just saying, you know, we already have some ways and some methods to deter, and yet we're a lot of countries are looking up now. And so it just makes you curious, you know, with all these – um, I have a, theories out there. I have a, I have a, que- I have a question another, on another subject for you, and that is, what's your take on Jerry Nadler wanting to meet with Matthew Whitaker following the State of the Union address, and how do you think that is going to relate to pressuring a young active attorney general into releasing more information about the Mueller report, and why do you think that they're doing that ahead of William Barr, and uh, how did that impact uh, McConnell's delay of the William Barr vote by a week? So all of that is sort of in motion, in play. And I think it's interesting that Nadler is holding this hearing with Matthew Whitaker. Okay, if you remember, it was two months ago you and me talked about William Barr, right? And I told you that if any confirmation happens, it's going to be way past somewhere in February, right? If, right? Am I right? Right. When, when the news were telling us it was happening like right now, but everything was delayed and put on hold. Um, the Democrats want to know if the Mueller report is a nothing burger before anything, because if William Barr comes in and it is a nothing burger, it spells trouble for them being him. Well, they being want to use the Mueller report for an impeachment process. And if they can't use it, they're they going to look to Michael Barr. Cohen. Yeah. But then BuzzFeed ruined that. So now, now they're going with Trump as a Russian agent. And that's even starting to unravel because they can't even make the, uh, the Trump Tower meeting stick. So you see, boom, boom, boom. Every step of the way, that's what's happening. Where there's a measure, there's a countermeasure. You well, see. I don't I don't even think that maybe William Barr will be. I mean, it's kind of playing in our hand in, in a way. I want to think that maybe this Mueller report um, is has more to say about their activities than anything, because he has to be transparent with all information collected. Right. And that could be it, too. It could be mitigation. This meeting could be mitigation. Well, no, definitely is mitigation. So. I mean, what do you think? You're you're obviously thinking something else. I want to hear it because we only have like three and a half minutes. What do no, you I, think? I think they're trying to pressure uh, pressure Whitaker into releasing the Mueller report 
before because William Barr, I think that they're sure that William Barr is going to not release the Mueller report and issue his own DOJ report interpretation, which is just going to be completely inside scope, which is going to be a huge nothing burger. So what they're going to do is go after Whitaker, thinking that he might be the Achilles heel. And somehow McConnell delayed the William Barr thing to really give isolation and space to Whitaker. But I think Whitaker is a tough, tough dude. And I don't think he's going to uh, placate or uh, bow down to the pressures of a Jerry Nadler. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that Matthew Whitaker is a bit of a secret weapon. Not only that, but he's basically like that disposable razor. You use you use it to cut it once and you throw it out. That's what his role was as an active attorney general, to basically be that disposable razor. You know, use it and then toss it. You know, and that's where that's where Matthew Whitaker is right now. That's why he's so dangerous to the deep state. So the deep state will be okay with Barr coming in if it's a nothing burger, because then they could say, oh, my gosh, it was Trump's administration that just hid it from us. And it's their fault. And this is why they're not releasing it. So your idea is they're trying to pressure to see, is there anything in the Mueller report? So should they go ahead and confirm if it's a nothing burger, they'll confirm Barr. And if it has something, he knows what's in the report. So they can't make it up like William Barr. If he turns out to be a deep state snake, black hat. Uh, Matthew Whitaker already has seen everything he needs to see, but he's not going to release it uh, because that was written up by Andy Weissman and Andy Weissman just wrote a smear piece is all he did. You know, it was basically like, you know, I don't need to know what color underwear the president wears. You know, all I need to know is whether or not he colluded with the Russians and he didn't. So goodbye. See ya. Nice. Thank you for playing. I don't know. I don't know. That's pretty interesting. Okay. So just to recap, because we have one minute, um, possibilities could be that they pulled the plug on Ruth before the State of the Union. Possibilities is that we have someone that looks like Ruth hanging out at the State of the Union. Also, possibly to hide empty seats, there may be a boycott to the State of the Union because of his comment. Maybe he's letting them use that. And we're going to be expecting a national emergency maybe next week? Well, definitely, without a doubt, the he's going to appropriate funding for the wall after the State of the Union, but not before to give any leverage to Nancy Pelosi in canceling the State of the Union. Uh, and do you think we'll see the but indictments we're not coming? We're have in? another government shutdown. Come February 15th, we're going to have appropriations and funding for the wall. Period. End of story. And it's not going to come through Congress. You think? I I know. I think this is a national emergency <laughs> with the fentanyl. I think. Yeah, it the is. fentanyl is huge. That is, and the, you know, an excuse. but what he did with China was great. He got China to say that that is a criminal, a capital offense, and that you can get the death penalty for selling drugs. But they're including fentanyl now in that penalty fate portion. Yeah, and he also got China to say, "Let's meet halfway." That's a big deal for President Xi to say that on a global platform. You know, um, so, okay, Scott, so I guess we're going to have to wait till Monday. Maybe I can join you on your show and we can pick it apart and see if Ruth, was- Ruth has died over the weekend. Um, on that All note, right. on that note, um, everybody can follow Scott Adams at uh, scottadamshow.com and listen to all his shows. From all of us here at Red State, we wish you a happy, warm, and healthy weekend. See you again on Monday. 